Hey everyone. Today I was going to jump into another topic similar to the one I discussed last time, but with a variation. But given everything that's going on and plenty of conversations which are taking place, I wanted to step back, get outside of that stuff and talk a bit openly and in the realm of taking a step back to look at the situation we're in to really help to make sense and and try to figure out from a principled perspective what we should be doing and how we should be talking and dealing with all this. It's a struggle and a challenge for me in the situation I'm in not being in the U.S., not being with my family, not being with the plenty of people who have different perspectives who are affected by what has happened in the U.S., particularly on January 6th, which, oddly enough, is my dad's birthday. Seeing images, watching videos, and witnessing the way in which everything panned out on that day is shocking and it's it, it's it's bound to to shake you in some way and to make you especially as an american look at what happened and be it, it's hard to look at that and be okay it's hard to look at that and say, yeah, th- this, is, this is all right, just another walk in the park, it's okay, uh, no big deal, nothing to see here, because it's, it's, it's not the case. It's something to see, it's something to talk about, and it's important. And even speaking of my dad and his birthday that day, he's normally not a guy who gets shaken up or a guy who reacts to things in, in ways like that. It's not common for him to be really taken aback by something but that clearly took him aback when i hear that from my mom in a conversation today it's it's clearly something that is reaching people at their core and something which we need to discuss and something we need to address and i think that that's going to require compassion and a willingness to open up on both sides. And it's hard to do that on both sides because when the only way for those sides to communicate each other is a keyboard and a thing called Facebook or a thing called Twitter, it's bound to get messy. When you think about the way that our civil conversations have grown, the way that our civil conversations have changed over time, the content of the conversations themselves, the way that those conversations have grown and developed, the the, the way that we would talk, that has not so much changed. The content and what we would actually be discussing, the problems themselves and the, the ways that we would have to discuss them that's not so different 
But what is different is the means and the ways in which we can do that now, meaning the mediums of communication, meaning the platforms we can use to talk to each other. So now, instead of talking to someone with opposing political views from across a table or sitting in separate chairs in the same room, we're doing that on Facebook, on a post for the world to see. We're sitting there and calling our family members assholes for either not supporting what happened on January 6th or for supporting what happened on January 6th. And we get so caught up in the personal issues with it. We get so caught up in saying, oh, my aunt, my grandmother, my cousin, my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my nephew, my grandfather, my grandmother, XYZ person supports this. How dare they? Or XYZ person is so against this. XYZ person went and posted a long thing on Facebook going off and totally being against everything that happened. And that's common. That's happening a lot. And those people who are calling each other out, those people who are talking, those people who are going off and saying all these things, their only way to communicate with each other and to resolve their disagreements, to resolve the conflicts that are presenting themselves is not to go to each other's house and sit down. It's not to take a step back and to say, hey, let's, let's jump on FaceTime and talk for a while. I'm, I'm curious to know why you think what you think and I care about you and I, I want to talk to you about this because I care about you. And that's so hard to do over text. It's nearly impossible for all of us to do over text and to do in a really, really efficient way. It's just not likely. It's hard to convey emotion. It's hard to convey that you care. It's hard to convey humanity when the humanity's not there in front of you. And when all we can do is talk in a place where anyone can shut down the conversation and leave whenever they want, of course it's going to be messy. And when the only way to start the conversation is to put something online for people to react to, that's not going to help either. Calling other people for their political beliefs assholes or pieces of shit or worthless or saying that certain groups of people quote-unquote need to go that doesn't help anyone it doesn't help the people who, who you are against to get any better it doesn't change their opinion it certainly doesn't change yours and it certainly isn't helping your soul become any anywhere more purified or close to self-actualization if anything it brings you further away because all you're doing is sitting there, being pissed off about other people, getting emotionally driven and riled up. For what? 
as a helicopter passes. For what? For what? Nothing. Nothing's gonna change. Nothing changes. You don't get better relationships from that. You don't get any personal growth from that. All you get is accusations. All you get is, is frankly, bullying to a degree. All you get is a, a place of pain that's just manifesting itself. And that's not helping anyone. When we're encouraging bad things toward other people, when we're saying bad things about other people, and, 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 and not including any sort of empathy or a desire to understand or a desire to engage deeply and with care with other people, it's going to go downhill. And I'll shout that from the rooftops about everyone doesn't matter if you have a red or a blue flag flying in front of your home. It doesn't matter if you have an American flag flying in front of your home. It doesn't matter if you have a flag from any other country or political group in front of your home. Because if you're doing that, if you're going out into the world saying certain groups of people need to go, saying that certain groups of people are assholes, saying that certain groups of people are worthless that they're stupid, they don't get it. And you you aren't coming from a place of a desire to understand and connect and unite and bring together. Then what, what are you really doing? Who are you really gratifying? Yourself? And that's it. You're gratifying yourself. That's it. You're doing it all in the moment. Because when you put that stuff out there in the moment, you're going to get those likes. You're going to get those comments. You're going to get riled up. You're going to get all those emotions. It's going to be quite an exhilarating time. It's very similar to riding a roller coaster. And sure, riding a roller coaster is a thrill. It's a fun time. But it only lasts for so long. And when it's done, it's done. Imagine if you had to ride a roller coaster for three hours straight. Imagine if you had to ride a roller coaster for days. You'd be dizzy. You'd be beaten up. You'd be completely delirious. You wouldn't be able to walk. That sort of emotional turmoil and battle, it's not helping any of us. And, and if, if, if that's our plan, if our plan is just continue to talk to each other in the way that we do on social media rather than, you know, asking for a half hour to talk to someone on FaceTime to come from a good place and to just be curious... It's just been very, it's been very clear for me for a long time that the way that we're going about all this, the way that we're talking about all this, it's off. 
It's way off. We're not willing to talk to the other side. We're not willing to look at the other side. We're not willing to even consider the ways in which all the so many opinions we have might be wrong. As John Stuart Mill once said, which I've said on here on this podcast before, he who knows only all of one side knows little of that. When we don't engage, when we don't listen, when we don't get the understanding and the empathy and the real sense of why the other side is going the way that it is, what are we doing? Where are we going? The answer to that question is certainly nowhere. And if it's going nowhere, then (laughs) we're going backwards too. We can't keep doing things the way that we're doing things. Dialogue needs to change. We all need to change. We all need to get better. And we all need to be willing to listen and to engage with other people and to not judge the book by its cover, to not take the first conversation, to not take the Facebook post as a valuation of someone's character. Because when you see that name and that circle with a picture in it, with the words associated it, you don't see that that person was a baby. You don't see that that person had the same amount of tons of individual experiences as they went through their entire lives to become who they are. You don't see the turmoil at home. You don't see the the cancer that their grandmother had. You don't see the mental health struggles of their brother or sister. You don't see the lack of educational opportunities they may have had. You don't see any of it. You see a name and a picture, just like every single other person on there, even though every single other person on there has that same unique story that makes them who they are. And all that's important. All that matters. Who someone is, all the things that come together to make them who they are, that matters. And I know you know that it matters because I know that you know that it matters for you and your story, who you are. You personally, as an individual, would not be who it is that you are without the way that all of those events, all of those little things throughout your life combined and strung themselves together to create this beautiful story or perhaps this tragic story perhaps a little bit of both to lead you to where you are right now. That's who we are. And when we're talking on social media, when we're texting, even when we're having initial conversations and it's just flying high with emotions, we're not thinking about all those details which are so, so important. We're not thinking about the great magnitude of the collective humanity that is there. And that is so utterly important. If we're going to go anywhere, 
If you really want to have a conversation, if you really want to engage with someone else, if you really want this world to get better, if you really want people to move forward and to understand, and if you really want other people to care, to think differently, and to see the world differently, you need to be willing to do so first. And you can't wait for them to do it first. Because that's childish. I'm sorry to be so blunt about that. I'm sorry to be so blunt about that. Because of course, the world would be much greater if, if we could easily facilitate the way in which we could wait for the other people to do it first, and then they did it, and then we could have the trust and the ability to step up ourselves after seeing them do it and say, okay, I'm going to do it. But that's not how it works. We need to step up. Individuals need to step up. Blaming the other side for not doing exactly what you're not doing is childish. And it's sad. Because I know people in their 60s and 70s and 80s and 50s who do this. Who are childish. In the way that they carry themselves in this regard. And... I can't blame them for that. I can't blame them at all. If they never had someone in their life who could inspire them to do that, if they never came across different ideas and, and, and learnings and pieces of education throughout their lives, if they haven't had certain experiences which inspire empathy or a desire to actually understand the world and all those people around them who are oh so different, why should I expect them to have that perspective? Why should I expect them to be able to do that? Why? And the answer is I shouldn't. I shouldn't expect that. I shouldn't expect that at all. So that means I can't go into a conversation with those people with that expectation. I need to be able to go into that conversation with curiosity. Willingness to learn from them. Even if I feel like I know a lot more. Because even if I know a lot more about a bunch of things, a bunch of things isn't everything. And the stuff that lies outside of that bunch of things, well, that stuff matters too. And you can learn something new from anyone. Anyone. And if we're not willing to go into conversations with that attitude, with that desire to learn, with that desire to connect, with that desire to sit together, to be willing to open ourselves up, to listen, to participate, to care. We're not going to move ahead. And hell, that hurts me. That hurts me a lot. Because I want a world in which we care. We care about each other no matter their political opinions. We care about each other no matter the mistakes they've made. We care about each other no matter the extreme opinions they've had. And this all brings me to how I want to end, which is telling a story about one of the most inspirational and one of the most important figures who I've gotten to learn about in my life. 
that's a, a jazz musician in the 70s and 80s whose name was Daryl Davis. He's a black jazz musician who is performing music in Maryland in the 70s and 80s. And there was one night where he performed and he was at the bar and starting a conversation with a white man. Just talking to him at the bar and asking him how the performance was and such. And then they got a drink and and proposed a, a toast in, in doing that drink. And they said about the white guy that it was the first time he had ever had a drink with a black man. And and, and Daryl was like, oh, really? Why, why is that? And they said, well, this white guy is in the KKK. And that sort of astonished Daryl a bit. It freaked him out and he didn't really know how to react, but he was curious and he was willing to learn why that guy had that perspective. And he started to have more conversations with him. He invited him to his next music event. They had some drinks afterwards again. They continued to talk and develop a friendship. Think about that. This black man was developing a friendship with a white man in the KKK. So as they continue to develop this friendship and see each other frequently, Daryl asks the guy if he can meet uh, a higher up in the KKK, if, if he could have a meeting with, with the guy who was actually in line to become the Grand Dragon of the KKK. And the guy says, I don't, I don't know if you want to do that, but Daryl pressed him. He said that he really wanted to. And he was able to organize the meeting in a way where the member of the KKK would not know who Daryl was, that he was black or anything like that. But they ended up organizing the meeting and when they had the meeting, it was initially very intense. And Daryl tells this amazing story about how when they were having the interview, the ice cracked and it sounded like someone clicked a gun and that sort of freaked everyone out so Daryl was put on edge and he asked him what, what that sound was and the guy in the in the KKK who, who he was interviewing he thought that Daryl did something but then they had to talk about it and, and end up realizing that it was it was the ice and that led to this, this laugh, this collective laughter of really, we're, we're putting up so much pressure here when we're just sitting here having a conversation. And in having that conversation, Daryl once again started to develop a friendship with this guy where they were friends for months and they would see each other and Daryl would have him over to his house. And it was curious because what they ended up realizing was he and Daryl lived on the same street as this other man from the KKK who, was, who he was sitting down with. He lived on the same street. And Daryl started to have him over. And he would go over to... And Daryl would go over to his house. And he, the guy from the KKK would, would meet Daryl's friends, who were also black. And they would start to meet each other, and Daryl would meet other friends from other friends of the guy in the KKK who were also members of the KKK. 
and start to have conversations and meet each other and engage. And in doing so, the conversations were about each other's lives, the humanity of the other person. Hey, how's your family doing? How's your son? How's your father? How's your mom? Stuff like that. Just caring about the other person and not tying that care to that person's character and how much value you place on their humanity. And Daryl was curious. He wanted to develop friendships with these people because he was curious about who they were and why they believed what they believed. And so after these initial meetings and these initial conversations, Daryl is able to meet hundreds of members of the KKK. He goes to various rallies that they have. He learns their practices and the ways that those meetings go. And all in all, he ends up befriending over 200 members of the KKK and over 200 people who he interacts with from the KKK through his friendship with them. They decide to give away their robes and leave the organization. Over 200 people who are members of the KKK from Daryl's friendship, Daryl's desire and willingness to sit with these people, to not be offended by the way that they saw people of his skin color, to, to not want to attack these people, to not want to see these people in a dark light because of these beliefs that they had, a willingness to engage with them and talk to them because of a desire to be curious about why they think what they think, but to also see them for more than what their perspective is. See them as humans, people with shared elements of life. And in doing so, he was able to reach people's hearts. Sometimes it was one to three months. Sometimes it was six to nine months. Sometimes it was a year that it took for these people to be friends with Daryl to then realize what they had to do, which was to leave the KKK because they no longer believed in the central premise of the organization. But over 200 members of the KKK, over 200 members, and he has all of their robes. He has all of them because they gave them to him. As, as a bit of thanks for what he brought into their lives, to helping them see and understand the truth, to help them see and understand where it was that they were going wrong. And if Daryl didn't have that desire to be curious, if he didn't have the desire to listen, to learn, to understand, then none of this would have happened if he wasn't willing to look at them as human beings, as humans with humanity, then none of this would have happened. 
And what Daryl has done should serve as an example for all of us. It should serve as an incredible example for us to understand what it takes to have genuine, meaningful dialogue. For what it takes for us to be able to genuinely move forward as a collective society, to genuinely move forward to unite ourselves, to work together, and to bring forward our country and our society as a whole. So we'll end it there. I hope that you got some value from this and found this conversation to be meaningful, whether you're an American or not. And I hope that you can perhaps take some of what I've talked about here today especially the keynotes about Daryl Davis, someone who I look up to so much, and apply them to your life. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll be back in a few days. As always, much, much love, and I'll be back soon. Cheers. Cheers.